Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to Qatar for the Game Day World Cup podcast with me, Sam Matterface, as I'm reunited with my usual partners in crime, assistant editor of The Mirror, Darren Lewis, and TalkSport football correspondent, Alex Crook. Every day when you wake up, we'll have a bite-sized special delivery from the World Cup, bringing you a roundup of all the day's action and discussing all the top stories and the upcoming games. Today, imploding Infantino, clumsy Calvin, one love, and get the Qatar out because the party starts. It's the Game Day World Cup podcast from TalkSport. Hello, yes, welcome to Qatar. We are here. We're all in separate hotels. We're not sharing an apartment, sadly, although that was on my rider when I first uh, turned up, but it didn't didn't turn out that way, sadly. Um, and if you believe that, you believe anything, because there's no way I'd ever share any sort of apartment with Crook. It would be a nightmare. Um, uh, Darren is here. Darren, you're, where are you? You're in downtown uh, Qatar, aren't you? You look like you're in a quite palatial uh, surrounds there. Have you settled in? You've been here for a while? I've been here for a while. It's not too bad. I know everyone hates the heat, but I, I, I love it. It reminds me of pre-season and the players, they not had heat, you know, heat like this in the, in the months of July, June, July, when they're prepared for the new Premier League season. So um, I think actually they'll cope. As for me, my place is quite nice. The only problem I had was I went shopping on one particular evening and um, obviously I hadn't quite got my bearings yet. And so I couldn't find my way back home. I tried to use my phone. You know, you use your phone to navigate. The battery had run out on my phone. <laughs> so, I, I, and, and fortunately, the people are around here are very, very friendly indeed. Um, and, and they were more than happy to guide me back to where I needed to be. Well, this, you're very lucky. And it's obviously because you're such a, a charming and, and personable fellow that they've taken to you the way they have. And I've seen a couple of your pieces that you've been recording uh, on all of the uh, the political issues out in the, the middle of the square. And it's been it's quite a bit, quite fascinating, actually, to, oh, to watch some of your films. So uh, keep those coming. Um, I nearly didn't get into the country because when I turned up at the airport on uh, Saturday, which is why probably maybe I haven't done as much social media, I, I came in late. Uh, later than Crook. I mean, Crook's been here uh, for about six weeks, sunning himself and and, and getting his uh, golf shoes ready. Um, but uh, I, I walked in, gave my passport across to the, the, the lady at the passport office and it got flagged up. And I had got pulled aside. There was policemen yeah. suggesting that it was... It was it was on an Interpol watch list, at which point I started to panic. I thought, what is going on here? <laughs> anyway, um, apparently 
uh, after about 20 minutes of sort of just talking at me and then and then phoning to various people I was waved through so um I don't know what happened but uh, yeah there was a scary moment when uh, it's not very often that you're told that you're on an Interpol watch list but anyway um uh, cricket you, you seem to have settled in from what I've seen on social media you seem to have um settled in rather nicely yeah I, I think you sound acclimatized um obviously a lot of Work, uh, went to the Infantino Press, and we'll talk about that. That was staggering. I've uh, been down to the Iran training camp. They weren't particularly hospitable, having been upset by uh, a colleague of Darren's the previous day. Uh, went along to, to see what Felix Sanchez, the Qatar manager, had to say ahead of his his opening game as well. But I've seen a few sites, uh, been out for a few nice meals, been to a couple of the westernised hotels where uh, the usual rules in Qatar don't necessarily seem to be um, strictly imposed. So, yeah, my first impressions of the country are good. I have to tell you about one of our colleagues at TalkSport, actually. He made the uh, the schoolboy error of not packing any sun cream. And, of course, we know how hot it is, particularly <laughs> early in the day here. So he went out yesterday and uh, he was charged for a bottle of sun cream. It isn't even a very big bottle. 39 English pounds for wow. a bottle of sun cream. So that was quite an expensive mistake. It is very a very American. expensive place. It is a very, very expensive place. Uh, but obviously, like the big story is, is, is the football kicks off today, and, we're, and actually, we're excited about the football. But there's still a lot of discussion about um, the, the hosting of this tournament in Qatar, and I don't think that Gian, Gianni Infantino, the FIFA president, did himself any favours yesterday when he decided to approach the subject of criticism from Western press by going into, well, quite frankly, what can only be described as a mad rant. Today I feel uh, Qatari. Today I feel Arab. Today I feel African. Today I feel uh, gay. Today I feel disabled. Today I feel... uh, a migrant worker. The first time after I was elected FIFA president, I went to see some of these workers' accommodations here. And I said to the people here in Qatar, well, this is not good, this is not right. We need to do something about it. Qatar has made progress as well. I think for what we Europeans have been doing in the last 3,000 years around the world, we should be apologizing for the next 3,000 years before starting to give moral lessons to people. I will come back to that. Of course, I'm not uh, Qatari, I'm not Arab, I'm not African, I'm not gay, I'm not disabled, I'm not really a migrant worker, but I feel like them. So he accuses the West of hypocrisy in its reporting of Qatar's human rights record. He made a passionate defence of Qatar and the tournament as a whole. He said European nations should apologise for acts committed in their own histories rather than focusing on migrant worker issues within Qatar. Um, I think it is worth pointing out that in February 2021, The Guardian reported 6,500 migrant workers had died in Qatar since its successful World Cup bid. The Qatar government said the total was misleading and not all deaths recorded were individuals working on World Cup projects. But there's no doubt that there has been a huge degree of scrutiny on the way that the World Cup has been built. And Infantino responded to that. In, in almost a little bit of a way, and I saw a brilliant piece in the Telegraph by Tom Gibbs who suggested that it was a little bit like the Lord of the Rings. And, and, and when you put on the ring, you, you 
are consumed by the madness of the ring. Set Blatter before him has suffered the same fate, and now it seems to be happening to Infantino. Is that what it felt like listening to it for you, Darren? It was remarkable because, um, Alex, you, you'll know this too from being in there. He started off by saying, look, I'm here. I decided to take some questions and I just want to make some opening remarks. And everyone thought it'd be quite boring because we've been to a million of these where the officials speak and eventually people start texting their mates and, and, and you know, it, older people will know the old um, advert, will it be chips or jacket spuds, you know, thinking about what's for dinner. And then suddenly you started to become aware that this was no ordinary, boring speech. This was, he was addressing all of the things that had been levelled at him and FIFA for a long time. I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball in here because I think there were one or two things that he said that actually had merit. I just think he was the wrong person to be delivering any of that because, you know, he is the guy who clearly showed that he was prepared, for example, to, to stay mates with Vladimir Putin after Putin invaded Ukraine. He is the guy, as you say, who's almost was cons has been consumed by the ring because before he got into FIFA, actually people felt he was a nice guy and that he was kind of fighting for ordinary fans. And since he's been at FIFA, there have been a number of occasions where he's done a lot of things that people kind of think don't necessarily benefit the wider public but certainly benefits the, the, the people who don't have the interests of the wider public at heart. You would say, and I'm tiptoeing around that, obviously, for legal reasons. But I just think that, that, that Infantino, to me, just doesn't strike me as somebody who, um, that, that, that he hasn't restored the faith of global football in FIFA. Um, he had, and, and, you know, in the media centre afterwards, you, you pointed to a Telegraph colleague who did a good piece, but he did spark a huge debate you know, and, and lots of questions uh, because there is a perception from here. I've got to tell you, you, you talked about my piece from the square and I talked to local people and local people feel that there is a superiority complex from the West towards any country outside of the footballing powerhouses of Europe that wants to host the World Cup. So, for example, they were characterising the South Africans in 2010 as being incompetent and violent before the tournament and the stadiums wouldn't be built and people would be shot in townships. And then by the end, they were saying it was one of the best ones ever. And, and, and that people were going into the townships and, and embracing different cultures. And before Brazil in 2014, people were saying that again, people were going to get shot into favelas and people were being forced from houses and they were all real genuine concerns. But one of the things that Infantino said was that, what happens after World Cups when all this scrutiny goes away? People won't care. And that had been the case for Brazil in 2014. All the talk was, you know, about the concerns for the uh, very real concerns beforehand. But afterwards, people forgot about them. So there were valid points in what he was saying, but he was utterly the wrong man to be making them because of the the image that he represents in relation to FIFA and because of where FIFA are right now as an organisation. And that's the point, isn't it? Um, he did say some things of merit. There were some things where you, you think, obviously, 
that, that everybody, every country has their own issues and they should look at their own houses before they start uh, casting dispersions on other people. That doesn't mean that you can't tell your friends that you weren't particularly happy about the way they do this or the way they do that. And Gareth Southgate was pretty clear about this when he was talking about um, the build-up to, to games, I think, in Bulgaria previously and in Hungary previously, where he talked about, you know, people were saying to him before England had even gone, there could be racism problems in this country. And he said, look, you know, we've got racism problems in our own country as well. Obviously, when you go and experience it, then they reacted to it in, in, a, in a measured and sensible way, England. But there are there are issues in, in in lots of other countries. And one of the things that someone pointed out to me yesterday was, you know, the, the number of countries that are playing at this World Cup where homosexuality is illegal, um, something that doesn't get discussed maybe often enough. Um, so... There was merit to what he said in some parts. There were bits of it that I thought, okay, all right, I know what you're trying to say there. It was just the way he delivered it. A 57-minute rant, sounding like a frustrated parent lecturing his teenagers. Um, You don't invite the world's journalist, do you, Crook, to a country and then expect them not to ask questions or probe or investigate what's happening there, especially when there has been lots of unexplained deaths and, and, and... working practices which many of the world's media assessing those would be slightly concerned about i thought it would be a fairly weak statement i thought he would focus on the football and this is the irony here obviously all of the uh, the fa's and the, the 32 nations competing were sent a letter by fifa encouraging them not to really stray into political territory to just focus on the football and he did anything but that infantino um, the, the opening game and, and the actual fe- festival of football barely got a mention. And it, it was the look of an angry man. Um, clearly, they're frustrated, maybe underestimated um, the strength of feeling uh, about the off-field issues going into this World Cup. And, and it was a lecture uh, at times. In amongst the ramblings, I do think there were some key points. He said uh, at one stage, don't criticise the coaches, don't criticise the players, crucify me. And I think he's right there because I think, you know, you look at the England players, for example, Eric Dyer, the latest to be asked about the human rights issues. And, and to be fair, they're all tackling those questions head on. But I'm sure deep down they would rather focus on the football as well. And I think probably there's a limit now to what Gareth Southgate and his players can add to the conversation and add to the debate. Listen, we've had over a decade to get used to the fact that the World Cup is, is being played here. I hope now, once the football gets underway, the talk isn't going to go away and there's some issues there that still need to be kept in the public domain. But I do hope we can all enjoy the football and I hope this is going to be a, a decent World Cup. Infantino promised it would be the greatest ever World Cup. I'm not entirely convinced about that. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Give me freedom, give me fire. That is the past. This is now. The future is the World Cup in Qatar. Seized upon here by Ali. And Afif's in here. Surely a goal. And the hosts are at it again. And they've got Akram Afif. They've got al Ali, who are decent attacking players. That's where their quality lies. Afif scores for Qatar. They have a coach in, in Felix Sanchez. And he's worked with this group for a long time. Plays it in and they've scored. Ecuador have the lead and it's Enna Valencia again. Ecuador will certainly pose a, a test, so they will be tricky. History is about to unfold. This is the World Cup. Um, the first game is about to get underway. 4,371 days after being named as hosts, Qatar kick off the 2022 World Cup. They take on Ecuador in the Al-Bat Stadium in Al-Khor. Um, they're the only nation making their World Cup debut at this tournament this year. And they take on an Ecuador side that qualified through South American. Qualify, not an easy thing uh, to do. It's their fourth World Cup. Um, they don't usually make it out of the group stage. They only did that once in 2006 when they were knocked out eventually uh, by England. But there is every feeling uh, that um, Qatar can be competitive in this opening game. Darren, what do you think of it? I think they can. Uh, they did well in the Arab Cup. They have good players, better players than you might think. I love their forward line. Akram Afif, the left winger, is a very, very good player. Played at Al Saad for Chabby's 26 years of age. He's got a terrific left foot, likes to go in behind. The striker, Al Moez Ali, scored most of the goals in the Arab Cup campaign. And on the right side, Al Hados, he's a very capable player, likes to drift in behind. Behind them, they've got players who can burst forward from midfield. I think that they'll score goals against the Ecuador side that have had most of the older players moved out and are blooding lots of good younger players. Regular listeners to talk sport and Premier League football as well will recognise Esther Pinion, the left back, mm. who uh, plays for Brighton, and Caicedo as well, the midfielder, who is head and shoulders the best player in the team. But they're not great defensively. They don't score many goals. And I think uh, uh, Qatar should, should win this one fairly comfortably. 
Interesting, because uh, Ecuador, because they're not very good defensively, have actually become a little bit more pragmatic in their approach as a result of that. I'm not sure it's going to be a spectacular game, but maybe the occasion will mean that we get more of a match. This is a, a Qatar side that haven't played too many uh, competitive games. They've played a lot of friendlies over the course of the last few years. They've been invited to the Gold Cup, um, which CONCACAF hosts every couple of years. They got to the semi-finals. They lost just 1-0 to the USA. They scored 12 times during that uh, tournament. And they won the Asia Cup in 2019. They beat Japan 3-1 in the final Qatar. Amuez Ali scored a spectacular goal in that game. So they aren't a, a team to be ignored and to be dismissed and, and to be thought of as, as just also runs that the hosts usually do very well, don't they? That's one of the sort of traditions of the World Cup. I think only once in, in my lifetime as a host not got through the group stage and that was South Africa in, in 2010, Crook. Yeah, I went along to Felix Sanchez, the coach, uh, the coach's pre-match press conference yesterday, and he was quite upbeat. He said they're in good form, uh, spirits in the camp are good. Obviously, he was asked about the outside noise and said it wasn't nice uh, when the country was criticised, but that nobody uh, will destabilise them. It was also put to him that uh, there was a rumour on the internet that the Ecuador players have been offered bribes. He was pretty quick to shoot that down. But I think if you look at Qatar, they are an emerging nation. You've mentioned already... Uh, the 2019 Asia Cup, when they scored 19 goals, conceded just once um, in that tournament against some of the big hitters from the continent. A lot of the players have come up uh, alongside Felix Sanchez through the various age groups. So I think there's a almost a club mentality uh, about this Qatar team. They all play um, on home soil. And I think this group is wide open now. I actually tipped Senegal to win the group before Sadio Mane was ruled out. I think now that he's not there, You'd expect the Netherlands to be too strong for the other other nations, but I think it's any one of the three who could actually go through now in, in, in second place. So I think this could be a really interesting group. And I think this first game could be absolutely key. If Qatar get off to a good start, as we've seen at previous World Cups with the host nations, they can build momentum and maybe be a bit of a surprise package. You never know. Uh, Ecuador have uh, managed to keep out Six teams in a row since Julian Alvarez scored for Argentina in a 1-1 World Cup qualifying draw on March 29th. Um, that was the end of their defensive problems, in a sense, in, the, in that they started to tighten up. Obviously, some of the fixtures have been a little bit easier. But the reason that uh, they have been able to keep those clean sheets is because the coach decided that actually they were far too open. They're quite a young group, Ecuador, uh, and he decided to batten down the hatches. Uh, but there hasn't been a nil-nil draw in the opening game of a World Cup since 1978. And... The last 13 World Cup hosts and co-hosts have scored in their opening fixture. Uh, so, fingers crossed, it could be an entertaining fixture. I certainly hope so uh, when that game kicks off a little bit later today. Uh, England play and Wales play on Monday. Quick glance to those fixtures. Uh, Darren, in terms of England, obviously they're heavy favourites to play Iran, but that game isn't going to be as simple as everybody's making out. It could end up being quite a, a sort of trudge of a match, couldn't it? Because Iran will sit, soak, try and narrow the field and, and try and dig in for as long as possible and nick a goal on the counter-attack. Yeah, and England don't come into this game in great form either. You, you'll notice that. So what is it? One win in the last six, two wins in the last six? I think as far as Gareth uh, No, no like, wins in the last six, actually. <laughs> That, well, there you go. So, and, and, and I think as far as um, 
the, the match itself is concerned, some people will say, well, hang on a minute, they too had to change their coach. Carlos Quirosh has come in for yet another stint in charge. But I just think that on paper, England looked great. But I remember us having supposedly easy groups before. I remember we had Slovenia, America, um, and one Algeria. other. In, Algeria, thank you, in, in 2010. And we stunk the place out. So there is still there are still games to be won in this group. And I think if our attitude is right, then we've got a chance. If our attitude is complacent, then maybe uh, Iran might sting us. Bear in mind, in their last World Cup, they drew with uh, Portugal. They beat Morocco and they only lost by a single goal to Spain, no less. So they're more capable than people might think. They've got good players all over the park. And I think we're going to have to treat this one with respect if we're going to come out with the right to play. Yep. And uh, everyone keeps telling us that this group is easy. It's the highest ranked group in the tournament with all of the four teams inside FIFA's world rankings top 20. Uh, Crook, you were pretty boisterous about this group, weren't you? You came out when the, the draw was made last year. We were on air saying that if England don't get through, don't breeze through this group, you'd be incredibly surprised. You still as confident as you were back then? No, uh, but that's not because of the group. And I think these FIFA rankings sometimes have to be taken with a pinch of salt. It's for the reason that Dara mentioned, England's form. You know, the Nations League campaign was an absolute disaster. I think that's put a lot of pressure uh, on the shoulders of Gareth Southgate and the players uh, going into this opening match. And as I said on the on the big preview podcast that we recorded at the Samsung Hub, um, I think it's important that England not only get off to a winning start, I think we need to see an assured, confident performance from the three lines. And we haven't had one of those for a long time. I think the absence of James Madison, we broke the story on TalkSport this week that he is unlikely to feature in this opening game, is actually more of a blow than maybe you would think considering he's only won one cap and hasn't played at all since 2019. I think we know that a Carlos Quiroz side are going to be very defence-orientated. They're going to sit deep, try and hit England on the counter-attack. And Madison could have been the player to unlock that defence in that uh, number 10 role. So I think he would have played a part in this game. I know, Sam, you have that suspicion as well. I think the lineup is interesting. It possibly means a role in the number 10 for, for Phil Foden now. And I think it's about time that he stepped up the play to international level. His performances for Manchester City have been far better than they have for his country. I think Gareth Southgate will go with the back four with Bellingham and, and Rice in front of them. And I think in some ways he needs to release the shackles. Um, we'll talk more about England on tomorrow's podcast with a full preview of the Iran game and the Wales-USA game as well. But quickly on on James Madison, is there any suggestion that he could be replaced in the squad? There was a little a bit of a whisper going around the last 24 hours that that might be the case because England have until, I think, um, what would be kickoff time today uh, to yes. turn around and say, actually, he can't participate. We're going to call up a replacement. Well, that was what got me on the scent uh, when it came to Madison. I was sent a, a text from somebody back home suggesting uh, that England are contemplating maybe sending Madison back and, and bring in a replacement. I know the FA were, were quick, quick to distance themselves from that. But as I say, I was told that there's very little chance that he'll feature on Monday. I guess with a 26-man squad, the need to bring in a replacement isn't perhaps as pressing as it would have been at previous tournaments. But you look at the Reese James situation, Gareth made his mind up that if he wasn't going to play in the group stage, then maybe he was better with an alternative option. So I wouldn't totally rule that out, even at this okay. late stage. 
Thank you very much. Uh, that game um, kicks off, I think it kicks off at one o'clock in the afternoon in That's right. uh, England, um, but it kicks off at four o'clock here. The heat won't be as bad as it has been during the day, uh, but it certainly still will be um, something that affects the players. Uh, Darren, thank you very much uh, for your time this morning. We're back tomorrow morning, as always. Uh, Darren, we'll see you later in the week, I think, and hopefully we'll catch yep. up with you at some point. You said to me you're going to come and sit on my sofa at one stage and do this podcast together, which I'm very much looking forward to. I do have grapes in here. Well, you could go and see Darren at his hotel or maybe send one of your underlings to go and do that. Darren, Darren, Darren doesn't even have a, a, a proper microphone, so it's better if he comes and sits with me. That would be helpful. But yeah, Crook, if, you could, if, if, if I could actually see you and you could keep a, a date today rather than telling me you're going to come and meet me for coffee, I go and sit in the coffee shop, wait there for an hour, and then I get a, a phone call saying, oh, don't think I'm going to make it. Infantino's still talking. <laughs> Blame the FIFA president for that one. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 